we're ready to start our worship service this morning. Uh, James is going to make a little announcement and then we'll get on with our... For the ones that was here, you already know that uh, we had a... Uh, Brother Ray just wanted a, a ballot passed out just for the support to, to make sure that everybody was was supporting him coming in as an interim pastor. And some of you were not here uh, last week. So if you weren't here last week, we'll get the ballots to you. I tried to find them, but I couldn't find them in the uh, room. So we'll get the ballots to you today and y'all can y'all can vote if you would please. On He got 100% of acceptance on that last week. So we're thankful for that. But if you will, just let me know. I'll get with you after the service and we'll uh, pass those out to the ones that wasn't here last week. Thank you. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I'm so glad you chose to get up this morning, get dressed, and come worship together with, with us. We have um, connect cards for any visitors who might be here. We want to give you a special welcome and hope that you feel God's love in his house here today. The, you could put the connect cards in the box in the back where we also put our ties. And if you want to give online, you can go to cypherstreet.church slash give. Many of you utilize that and it works out beautifully. Or you can use the good old mail system would be fine too. Uh, I wanted to bring attention to um, some of our prayer requests especially those who came across on our, on our um, iPhones with, that Karen sent to us. I hope that Royce is feeling better. Is he doing some better? Great. Uh, Gene's brother Royce had, uh, had COVID and then ended up with double pneumonia. So that was very hard for him to be able to fight that. But thankfully, we're glad to hear that he's doing better. And also, Randy Oldham's niece, uh, they requested prayer for her that she regain the use of her hand and her elbow after the repair of a break. And then uh, B.J. Lawson also made us aware of the death of her sister-in-law, Rosalind, so we want to be sure and remember their family. And also Mike Cootie and Vicki, uh, uh, their family lost a nephew this week and so uh, with COVID, and uh, his name was uh, Chris Joyner. So please remember their family. Uh, it's always difficult to, leave, to lose a loved one, but when something comes so suddenly and you just find them in that manner in their home, it's very hard for them to, to get over something like that. Also, I wanted to remind you that if you have not contributed to the stamps, please feel free to do so. We can use any stamp that you might have. Everyone is so good to send out cards. In fact, I was just bombarded this week, and I didn't even mind turning 78 because I got so many nice cards, <laughs> as well as Bob and I had some anniversary cards also. I even got serenaded on one of the, the calls that I got, so I felt very privileged and very loved, and I thank you for all of that. It, make, it really helps when you get a card. It just brightens your day. Also, this Wednesday, Carolyn will be uh, in charge of our Bible study. And then, of course, Ray will be here next Sunday for our services. I wanted to share something with you this morning. 
It's a, a little devotion, and it is stated, Profound Knowing. And it's based on Psalms 139, 7, and 9 through 10, which states, Where could I go to escape from you? If I flew away beyond the east or lived in the farthest place in the west, you would be there to lead me. You would be there to help me. And it's stated in the devotion. You can keep up a front with other people. It's a way to protect yourself when you feel insecure. You conceal your flaws and your fears so people can't hurt you. Unfortunately, your defenses also stop you from receiving their love. Yet you cannot hide from God. He knows you completely and is aware that those defenses are stopping you from having the life you were created for. That's why he chips away at them until you can fully experience his love. Friend, God knows you more profoundly than you know yourself. And he's declared that you're worthy of loving. Therefore, let him tear down those defenses so that others can know and love you just as well. And that's what we want to do. And I felt that love this week. Let's join in a short prayer. And before we start our singing this morning, would you join me, please? God, you are our creator and our protector. You know exactly what's going on in our life. You know what the, the troubles we might be having and the times when we feel weak. But you can knock down those defenses we built up. Please tear down the harmful walls in our lives so that we can fully experience your love. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for joining us here this morning. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Won't you stand and join as we begin our first song? It's a real good one. How great are you, God? What better way to start? Slender of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice. Trembles and falls. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And the will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age to stand. Time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God has three in one, 
So please just sing out just like you did on the last one and bless our hearts. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. <laughs> you got to know how great is our God. Storm. He is Lord. 
darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne Be seated and children, it's time for you to go to your class this morning. when you come here, when you hear that little song, you're going to feel, you just want to just <laughs> go along with them and hop on back there. <laughs> Your feet want to go, don't they, right? <laughs> there is no need for an in introduction to Ray. We're just so thankful to have him as our interim pastor. We appreciate all of his hard work and his effort that he puts forth to, with us. 
and we pray that with our for our search team especially as they constantly are trying to find a pastor but we are so blessed to have such a good intern in the in the meeting time Ray, god bless you dear thank you pat actually i'm i wish i was an intern and not the interim pastor <laughs> i supervised interns many many times but um, hey, I want to uh, run a couple things by you this morning as well. Um, like some of you that flew in here at the last minute, I did too. It's been kind of a whirlwind the last few days. And then I think it was somebody said, hey, Ray, well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, of course, some of you knew I had the, the huge funeral uh, yesterday uh, for a retired war hero, full military funeral because Purple Heart World War II, shot in the neck, face, became a pastor, served 65 years, died at 96. Um, and uh, it was a beautiful service. You could actually go to Still North Crossings and see it. Some of you were there, and I, I appreciate that. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I woke up actually the night before. I was actually on the phone call doing some things for the church. Decided to take Dana to eat real late on Friday. And then... Uh, uh, came back and I was working out writing all that out man you know had eight pages because I'm doing the family stuff the whole life story of this wonderful man and I'm writing it all out and I started coughing now that ain't good and then I woke up the next morning coughing sneezy I go you got to be kidding me because what do you think it's COVID if you look funny it's COVID COVID's everywhere. It's coming after you. It's the COVID, you know. Oh, my goodness. And I felt terrible. And I'm like, oh, Lord. I called my son-in-law who were on their way to come over from my, uh, all in the midst of this. My grandson has an 11th, 11th birthday uh, party. So he's coming over for that. And all this is going on. And, man, we prayed. And I took medicine and got on my knees and wore a mask, stayed in the corner. <laughs> away from everybody and I'm like can't believe it of course tested you know to see and uh, came back home took a nap made it through made it through stayed away and then it came back negative and that was so wonderful and it wasn't like sort of negative it was real negative you know <laughs> so I was like thank you Jesus and then I uh, woke up today was up to one o'clock counseling with somebody you know life keeps going on and anyway woke up this morning and I feel like a million bucks. So you're fixing to get, wow, you're going to get hammered, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, the dead has risen. I'm negative. But I'm going to try to be a positive person, but I have a negative COVID. <laughs> anyway, and bless you, many of you have been through the flu A, the flu B, the flu C, COVID 1, 2, or 3. Most of you probably 3, so I, I think you know. I also want to encourage you this morning. I'm going to always try, as your pastor in this interim period, to keep you informed of what's going on. And, and I've heard from several of you have had the privilege to talk to you. I want to encourage you. Uh, I know Mike's probably at home watching and there's people uh, actually around the country that let me know they like to, to watch. And I just want to tell you, your search team and your leadership team is working. We have met for hours. And last Wednesday, we actually met for over an hour on a video call. I'm excited about that what God has. God's got somebody for us. If you feel like it's taken a long time, I just want to let you know, as uh, a state leader and the regional pastor, 
the average time that even uh, a lot of churches have to get a pastor is 2.4 years. That's the average. Um, the earliest, the, the shortest I've seen it work, uh, honestly, uh, since I've had this is about six to nine months. I know one time I served at North Crossings at 18 months as interim pastor before I fired myself and then we later got somebody. It's a very tough process and the reason is there is one pastor to every 25 churches. You follow what I'm saying? There's, it's, it's just the way it is. But God has really blessed us and we have a candidate that we're praying. So here's what I want to, you know, that's the good news. I really want you to know. I ask you to have faith and, and realize a lot of work's being put into it, but especially if you would do me a favor and the church a favor and your leadership team a favor. And that would be if you would make tomorrow, Monday, I know it's the first day of the week, kind of a day of prayer for this young family because, you know, they want to do what God wants them to do. We want to pick who God has for us. And the, the common ingredient in that three-prong approach of us and them is God. And we want God's will, right? And it looks exciting, it's great, but we want as much for them what God wants. You know that. So I was wondering if you would make that a day of prayer. And if you can do without a meal, you know, uh, medically or whatever and pray, uh, that's called fasting. And I know you probably know all that. But if you want to do without a meal and every time that uh, hunger kind of hits you, you want to uh, say a prayer, uh, I just think it would really be awesome if tomorrow we'd all pray for that. Okay? Uh, I also want to challenge you. I've talked to several of the leadership. We, we're probably going to set up some set times of prayer that the church would be open, maybe prior to Wednesday night. Some other times the church is open, you can come and worship. We got some exciting ideas. Got some uh, cool things we're planning maybe for the ladies a little bit later on. So we want to we wanna get the thing going. We want to be active and alive and something that is, is a challenging and encouraging to meet your needs. So tomorrow, Monday, let's be in prayer, okay? Is that good? Can we do that? Uh, and I think James has said something to you about if you were not here last week, I'm personally asking you to get a ballot uh, and, and, and mark your answer and vote and pray for me and the church and maybe make a comment. Thank you for those that made comments. I read every one and they were very kind. Thank you so much. I wonder this morning as we get started, we get going. Have you ever heard of the name Bill Havens? Probably not. A couple of you? Wow, I'm impressed. Well, <laughs> in the 1920s, like many of us were around then, you know, kicking, uh, we would know who he was because he was quite a hero. In 1924 at the Paris Olympics, the Olympics had added the four-man canoeing to the Olympics. And Bill Havens was one of the four team members on the United States team projected to just blow the, you know, the world record out and just protected, uh, you know, a new sport and, and supposed to win in Paris. Well, then a dilemma came for Brother Bill. Uh, Bill had, was expecting his first child. And in 1924, you didn't, there weren't planes or jets. I know you can't believe that, but it took at least 
about a week, if you got right on the boat, one of the new turbocharged steam liners, you could maybe make it in a week across. So it wasn't like you just pick up and go. So he had a choice, and guess when the baby boy was due? In the Olympics. So you train for four years, your whole life to do this, then the baby's being born, and you might not know it, but in the 1920s, baby birth was not a sure thing. It was a very serious thing. Many times the mother lost her life. It was a very tough time. Of course, his wife loved him dearly and, and said, Bill, go ahead and go. I've got this. I mean, you, you know, do it. But Bill withdrew from the Olympics. True story. You can Google it and study it yourself. And he wanted to be there when the child was born. Now, Murphy's Law, you know what Murphy's Law did? He stayed home. She delayed the baby. <laughs> He probably could have went to the Olympics and come back. But the guy that took his place, who wasn't as good, of course, but made it as an alternate, was on the team and they won gold. And boy, did the media have a frenzy over that. And a lot of people said that it was a shame what Bill did. It was bad what he did. And Bill says, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I stick with my decision. Well, you know what I think that is? I think that's commitment. And if you see on your outline, that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And there's a lot of blanks. If you want to fill in, there's a lot of room to doodle, uh, to write your wife notes, uh, whatever you need to do on there. It's there. It's ready for you. But I want you to notice, we're going to talk about commitment today. Yes, the big C word, smile, <laughs> might be the only smile we have, right? Commitment. And I just wonder if you and I are committed, that committed to our spouse, to our children, to our family, to our God, are we even close to that commitment? And I wondered sometimes in this world today, do we even have anybody that we're that committed to? It seems like in any relationship today, there's a lack of commitment. It's kind of like all about me. I mean, there's songs, I'm a material girl. How many material girls we got here? This is church. Husbands, you can raise your, no, I'm just saying. It's all about me. Today, I want to talk about that. I've got a scripture for you. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 14, the NLT. And I kind of want you just to listen to this. And I'm going to read just verses 11 through 14. It's not that long like last week's was a dissertation. Um, and I'll, but 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 14. Now I understand Timothy's a young minister. Late teens. You know, life expectancy wasn't that long. And they got the show on the road pretty early. And Timothy's a new minister. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. But you, Timothy... Belong to God. And I want to stop right there and say, put your name in that, that place. Eugene, belong to God. You, Patrice, belong to God. You belong to God. So run from all the evil things and follow what is right and good. Pursue, that means you work at it, a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for what we believe. Hold tightly to the eternal life that God has given you, which you confess so well before so many witnesses. And I command you before God, who gives life to all, and before Jesus Christ, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, 
that you obey his commands with all purity, then no one can find fault with you from now until the Lord Jesus returns. Beautiful scripture. I think it talks about commitment, about testimony, about life. And we just read last week one of our little scriptures about Jesus' testimony before the Jewish leaders and before Pilate. So what does unshakable commitment look like? Well, I'm glad you asked and I've already filled it out for you and got it there on your outline so you can fill in the blanks. Okay, I knew you wanted to know. The first one, I'm going to go quickly through these, is a hallmark of unshakable commitment is someone who is unashamedly Christian. I mean, not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of their faith. And so, if someone you didn't know very well ask you if you're a Christian, what would you say? Could you go absolutely with no... You know, it's good. I promise you in your lifetime, and no offense, Brooke and Reuben, in your lifetime for sure, there's going to come a time where that's going to be a tough question. It's already getting that way. Now, we're in the Bible Belt, and there was a time I remember that, frankly, if you didn't say you were a Christian, you couldn't work at a bank or anywhere. Did you know that? I mean, that was a big deal. There's no way downtown West Monroe you could probably have a job and run a business if you weren't a Christian. Now, that might not be, that's one extreme, and that's not good, obviously. But there will come a time where it's not cool. I'm telling you, obviously there are places that, I just talked to a missionary, and his daughter's at a university, and she's unashamedly Christian. And, and because she's so clear with it up front, she's become accepted. They all just know, oh, she's a Christian, but she's cool. But she's bold about it. Because they really don't want fakes, you know what I mean? They really want her, but bold about it. So what about you and I? Are you constant, number two, constant in practice? What I mean is we don't talk the talk, we practice it. We walk the walk. Can people see in your life, your neighbors and others, that you're Christian? Now, if you don't think your neighbors know, if you get up every Sunday morning and come to church, I bet you I could poll your neighbors and they, could, they might even have a chart in there how many times you go to church. How many of you got a neighbor that knows everything that goes on? I had one lady, I love her to death, I missed her, they, they separated, and uh, I love the husband and the wife, both of them are great people, and, and I mean, dude, I never had to worry about anything happening. I could be in Kansas, anywhere, somebody's walking around your house, I says, the white car, yeah, he's checking the house out, he has the keys, getting the mail, you know, all right, I'll let you know the next time he comes back. <laughs> So sometimes it can be weird, but turn it into something good, right? Constant in practice. Steady under pressure is the third one. Steady under pressure. A lot of folks, I'm being honest, we're on fire for God. We get fired up for God. Everything's good. God's going our way. But all of a sudden, things don't go our way. And guess what? We kind of throw God out the window now. Uh-oh. Or we blame God. The number one thing, we blame God. I here have two or three times told you this, and unfortunately, you're going to hear it 20 times more probably before it's over with, is when things go bad and it's going terrible, we tend to run away from God. When the smartest thing in the world, when you want to blame God, that's the smartest thing in the world is run to God. I'm telling you, that is a tremendous principle. Run to God. 
If you have something you blame God for in your past or whatever, run to God. Step out on faith. Let him speak to you. Let him work with you. And so when the heat's on, do you stay steady? Number four, unchanging regardless of the agenda. I wondered whether to tell you this because I hate to cut anybody down, but back in Bible college, there was a student when I was in Bible college, my wife and I were in Bible college, and uh, of course I was a psychology major and a Bible major both, and my wife was studying social work, and that was her career, and, and Bible as well. There was a student there who had a bad reputation, a male student with the girls that wasn't very good, and a friend of ours confronted him about it. And he said this, and I wrote it down, I don't take God with me on my dates. I got a problem with that. So did everybody else, by the way. It'd be like, then I thought about it. In fact, it's terrible. But I got to thinking about it. I know a lot of people live the same way. Boy, I take God with me to church. I take God with me into the intensive care unit or to the emergency room. I take God, but there's other places in my life I don't take God in with me. You follow what I'm saying? How do you treat waitresses on Sundays when you go out and eat? I don't know if we have any waitresses here, but I've surveyed waitresses. As a general rule, many of them tell me the Sunday lunch crowd is one of the worst. What does that say? I know it hurts a little bit. You know, when it used to be, a, I remember my life going to get a hamburger at Burger Chef after church and a hamburger and a Coke and fries was 25 cents. And that's a cool story. Now it's $25. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's, it's insane. It's insane. But here's the thing, if the ticket's $25, I just double that and know it's, you know, the tip's 20%. I mean, and if the service is terrible, I try to decide, was it that waitress or was it the cook? or You know what I mean? I just try, but always give grace. I just figure if that was my daughter or son, how would I treat them? And really, they are God's child. Let's be good, right? Let's be good. I'm just saying, how do you treat them? Okay, now I'm really told you it's going to be tough. Watch it. Don't kick each other. So how do you treat people who drive really dumbly? I have to admit, I have many times wanted to have me a Lincoln, an old Lincoln Continental. Huge one. And I mean, I'd follow the law, y'all. I would follow the law. And when the light turned green, I'd go, whether they're there going or not. If, if the red light's red, I'm stopping. Whether And who cares, because you can't come through this unless you got a Sherman tank. You know what I mean? You, you know, you are these people that are swerving and you just want to have something like that and just stay right in your lane and let them bounce off and keep going, you know? You know, I know that. There's nothing like that. I'm not talking road rage. I'm just saying. I have expressed my opinion to other drivers many times. Now, uh -huh. boy, I love it. Many of you are shaking your heads. Okay, the altars won't be open, so start praying now, all right? Number five. Compelling love for your master. Okay, that, that last one's a very important one. Very important. Compelling love for your master. When people fall in love, now this is going to be hard for some of us in here because our memories go. 
But when you fall in love with somebody, do you notice how silly you get? They're kind of googly on all that. Any of you that teach middle school or high school, you see it all the time. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I even saw it at college. They, they're crazy about each other. They're always wanting to be around each other. In fact, I think it's pretty toxic if it's not that way, to be honest with you. Well, what I'm saying is the same with God. When many times we first got saved, we fell in love with him. It was awesome. It was amazing. And depending on your story and all that. So I just wonder if we know God that way and if we have a love for our master, a love for him, knowing he loves us. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know people who love God? Think about it. And yeah, you're going to go, yeah, here's some people I know that love God. Look at their life. What are some things that make you let them let you know they love God? Yeah, they come to church, but that alone won't do it. Yeah, they do. But there, there's something about them that you just know they have a passion for God, right? There's a love for God. And so when you fall in love with somebody, there's that commitment as well. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So let's go to the big points real quick. To have an unshakable commitment to God is more than deciding you believe in God, it is belonging to God or belonging to Him. So it's more than believing in God, it's belonging to Him. You know, in the scripture it said, but Timothy, and I called out a couple of your names, you belong to God. So it's not just believing, it's belonging. You know, a while back, and it's been a, some time now, some attorneys got together and created an unmarriage contract. And their firm said for $24.95, couples could move into a relationship and get kind of married, but sign an unmarriage contract so when things don't work out, they've already listed everything that each one brought into the relationship. And then all they have to do is list what they've got since then and divide that up. In order you're going into that marriage or that commitment with an idea that it isn't going to work and here's how it's going to be. I think that's a snapshot of where we are today with commitment. Do you agree? I think so. Most people are afraid of commitment. And I want to tell you, I think God wants us to not be a, a afraid of commitment. And especially afraid of commitment to God. We're afraid of commitment to works, our jobs, where we are, commitment to people. And there's too many of that. I think too many people don't want to marry God. They just want to date God. Does that make sense? I'm trying to come up with an analogy or an illustration. You know, I don't want to say to have and to hold God from now to eternity till death do us come together. Because we're not going to part at death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, now we want to say, God, I just got one deal. Will you be there when I need you? But you can go help everybody else when I don't need you. And you know that's true. Well, here's what I want to tell you. We want the benefits of being committed to God and God committed to us. And he's very committed to us. But we don't want to sometimes follow through with our commitment to him. And it's not going to work. And so I want to say this. I should have put it on your outline. There is no intimacy with God without commitment. I want to repeat that. There is no true intimacy with God where you really feel God and know God and have him with you 
and have that power and that clarity of discernment when you read the Bible and just, there's none of that intimacy with God without commitment to him. We can do all the right things. We could go to the best worship concert. We could get all in the moment with emotion. We could hear a dynamic sermon and the Holy Spirit fall upon us and all that. But without commitment to him, there's not going to be that kind of intimacy. Look at the scriptures I have on your outline. You are among those who've been called to belong to Jesus. Oh, there's belong again. God loves you dearly. He has called you to be his very own people. So it's more than believing, it's belonging. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from an empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Yeah, you got life, by the way, God gave you life anyway, but started the whole process. But, but pretty much it's empty life and God saved us from that. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. In other words, God gave it all. He's just asking in return, hey, let's give him a commitment. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's just, it's not even, we can't give enough. He just says, give me what you have. Oh God, what you did for me, I'll never be able to, you know, do. Yeah, we know that. He just wants you. He's, he's unashamedly love with you, like you are. Warts and all, if you have any warts. Hair and all, if you have any hair. You know, he loves you like you are and he just wants you. And he says, come as you are. That's what he wants. Number two, be careful in protecting and active in strengthening your commitment. Be careful in protecting and active in strengthening your commitment. In our text in verse 11 it says, so run from all the evil things. This is a cool story. General William Winder was a lawyer in Baltimore in the early 1800s and uh, he got politically appointed from a lawyer to a general with no military experience. And he was appointed general in the War of 1812 and sent to, uh, to pursue a retreating British army. They've been defeated and they're retreating. He went to pursue them. And in 1813, the British counterattacked and Winder lost and he was captured. And he was such a horrible leader and a horrible general that they decided to release him so he was more worth more to them as a general against the opponent. Terrible leader. Well, how do I know that? Because the government put him in charge of Washington, D.C. And in 1814, he was so confused, he had plenty of time, he set no plan to defend Washington. He had his troops divided all over the place. The British came in, and you know the story if you've ever been to Washington. They burned the Capitol, burned the White House, burned all, basically burned the whole thing up, and he lost. The troops ran, it was terrible. Why did they do that? How did they do that? They knew the general in charge. This guy's terrible. They knew the enemy. I say that to use this illustration. Remember the, the general, okay? It's actually a real insurance company. That went over your head, never mind. God, come on people, stay with me, hang. 
It's actually a legitimate insurance company. I want to stop a minute. You know what God just said to me about that? Who's the spokesperson for General Insurance Company? Shaq. If you've ever watched TV and you've ever known anything about LSU sports or Lakers, you know, Shaq. I mean, you know, right. He's their spokesperson. You know what we should be when I was talking about our example and our witness and our friends and our neighbors knowing what we are? We need to be a spokesperson for Jesus Christ. We need to be the shack to general. We need to be for Jesus. How's that say, right? Hey, gee, you know, I'm so tired of this. The world's going to hell and all. Yeah, it is. But let me tell you. Jesus Christ gives you peace and hope. And even if things fall apart, you got a great retirement plan and it's really good now. And let me tell you about our church family at Sob Street. We will love on you. I mean, there are grandmas there that will hug you. Even with COVID, put on a mask and take a hug. You know what I mean? I mean, we will love on you. It will be great. You will, if you need help, they'll be there for you. And there's opportunities for you to help others. I mean, you see what I'm saying? I'm telling you, Cyber Street is a real church. You see what I'm saying? We can be a representative. That was not in the notes. So, I told you about this general and the British knew their enemy and they knew when to counterattack. and what to, Let me ask you something. Do you think the enemy knows where you're weak, Satan? Ooh, yeah, he knows my weaknesses. He knows chocolate <laughs> and a bunch of others I'm not going to tell you about. There's an, you know, I've told you many times in John 10, there's an enemy that seeks to destroy you and there's a battle going on for your soul and my soul and, and it's there and, and he watches us all of our life and he knows we talked about that on a Wednesday night and all that and God gave it his all and wants us to win. But there's an enemy that's seeking to destroy us. And we've got to realize that we've got to be careful in protecting this and, and really actively working and putting energy into defeating Satan and staying committed to God. That first love I talked about, I'm telling you, if you're married and you have a good marriage, there are times you fight for your marriage. There are times that, that, that you know, you, you realize, you know, my, my spouse, my husband, my wife, you know, they're awesome. I, I need to be better. You know, I, I know guys that never put on cologne until they started dating and probably hadn't put it on since, okay? Maybe they clean up a little bit. You know, maybe they straighten up and they I don't know what it is, you know, whatever. You know, you put a little, you go, you know, I need to put a little more in this. That's what I'm talking about with the Lord. Protect yourself and strengthen yourself. Here's some scriptures. But remember that temptations that come to your life, no different than what others experience, and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong you can't stand up against it. So when you're tempted, so in other words, you're going to be tempted till the day you die. But here's what we're saying. He will show you a way out so you can get behind out of it. And I'm telling you, one of the best things is when you realize it's a temptation, go, woo, that looks good. Then you start drooling. I'm just saying if that's what it is. I don't know. Okay, you get behind me, Satan. I know that ain't right. You know, you just put God or Satan in the equation and, and make that. And then here's another one to fight for. It starts with the word 2 Timothy 2.22. Run 
Run, it says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith, love, peace, enjoy the companionship of those who call the Lord with good hearts. In other words, hang around other believers and be encouraged. If I have a problem with alcohol, I don't need to be going to the bars or hanging around some guys that drink all the time. I'm telling you, if I have a problem with that, that does not need to be anywhere. I don't need to even be ministering in a bar. You know what I mean? I don't need to go there. If I have a problem with this or that, I don't need to be there. Run from it. But hey, be around people that encourage you. Hey, you can handle it. You're doing good. You know, whatever it is that we're going. You know, pick people. That's what we, why we need one another in the family of God. Do you agree with that? Man, I need it. I need people that encourage me. Tell me they love me. Show me they love me. And look, people that, you know, I think everybody here is regular members. When somebody comes through that door, give them a smile. Love on them. You know, and if they haven't been here in a while, whatever you do, don't go up to them and say, well, what's your name? And you know it like crazy, but what's your name? Hadn't seen you in six months or six weeks or six minutes or whatever it is, you know. No, it's just love on people. Happy they're here. Be excited about it. Number three, develop some markers on your journey. This is cool. Develop some markers on your journey. I need a bigger pulpit. Develop some markers on your journey. And our text in verse 12b says, Hold tightly to the eternal life that God has given you, which you confess so well among witnesses. Paul's telling Timothy, I want to remind you of the time when you stood up, you accepted Christ, you were a sinner, you got saved and said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you were on fire. In other words, that's a marker. So when you're saved, that's a marker. When you're rededicated in life, you get through struggles, you rededicate, that's a marker. If God calls you and you're sanctified and you remember a moment the Holy Spirit fell upon you and it changed you, that's a marker. I'll tell you another one. When you're married, that's a marker. That's a time. That's a date. And guys, you need to know what that time and date is. <laughs> remember it, you know. Just like you have an app with all your passwords, there needs to be a calendar going ding, five days, tick, tick, tick. You know, you need to know. It's a marker. Your baby dedication. When your babies are dedicated, that's a marker. Baptism is a marker. And you know what? In life, there's other things that are markers. I remember times that I got to visit with John Maxwell and and leadership training I've had that God really spoke to me and, and just, man, I'm like, I'm getting this, this thing. That's a marker. Those are times that I have. When God called me into the pastoral ministry in my life, that's a marker. And that wasn't even one that I sought. God just did that. And so when Satan tempts us, if you can remember those markers, do you see how that helps you? I'm reminded of that. It's important. Those commitments are good. So develop some markers along the journey. So the scripture there, Romans 6, 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? 
Or have you forgotten? That's what I'm talking about. Are you forgotten that when we became Christians, we were baptized to become one with Jesus Christ. We died with him, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Guys, that's a beautiful picture of baptism. We literally go under like the grave of Jesus Christ and come back up symbolic in newness of life. And we know it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. We need to remember that. And you know, I'm a pastor that's not against people getting baptized again. I hate to say I saw recently that they said a priest didn't say the exact right word. I mean, it's this ticky. I think instead of I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The priest said we or something like that. So it said all those thousands of baptisms are done away with. They missed the whole point. You're not baptized into the church or to any words. You're baptized through Jesus Christ with a personal relationship to him. He's who died and was buried and was raised and that's what it's all about. And if I drifted away from the Lord and came back to him, I'd probably want to get rebaptized. That's just me. Fourth and final, you're not just a follower of the faith, you're a model of the faith. Woo, I didn't even, look at that. There you go. You're a model of the faith. You're Shaq. You're a model of the faith. And by the way, if you don't like that one, you can be Flo. I'm good. A few of you know who Flo is. She plays herself in several different commercials. But in order, as flow is to progressive, we need to be for Cypress Street, for Jesus Christ. And it says, you know, in our text, obey his commands with all purity, then no one can find fault in you. And Paul's telling us, eyes are on you, and they are. People are looking at your life, like I said earlier. So the scripture there is, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to the believers of what you teach in the way you live, in the way you love, in the way of your faith, and in your purity. And that's, that's just being an example to live it well, brothers and sisters. Just live it well. Maybe, just maybe if we live it well, one of the greatest compliments is we pass it on. Remember Bill Havens that I talked to you about 20 minutes ago? 1924? He gave up the Olympics to stay home for his son to be born. Fast forward 28 years later. Frank Havens, his son, sent a cablegram to his father from Helsinki, Finland in the Olympics and said, and I quote, Dad, just wanted you to know I'm bringing home the goal that you gave up to see me born. Google it. Awesome story. What's better than winning the gold yourself? I guarantee you Bill Havens would say, my son and our relationship winning the gold. We live in a, no, it's about me. I want the gold. I'll do whatever. Sacrificing what's important. Man, how about this? Knowing that you lived a life 
so that hopefully your kids and your children, and you made some sacrifices. Man, a lot of times, guys, I love parents. I've had a heart for it. I've taught parenting. You know, I've had a whole career as a psychologist, particularly specializing in that sort of stuff. I got it. And man, sometimes, you know, I wonder if I was all I need to be, and I'm aware of some mistakes I made. But, you know, you're faced with two good decisions or three good decisions. And all I know is I always said as a man, as for me and my house, and thank goodness my wife and I were equally yoked, meaning we were both committed to Christ first. As for me and my house, every decision, we're gonna serve the Lord first. Don't get me wrong, we're gonna have boundaries and we're gonna have fun, and we worked hard for God, and we worked hard in our jobs, because you know I had three, I was tri-vocational. I mean, we did things I probably shouldn't have done, but one thing we did, we played hard too. I mean, we went on vacations, we did things, but we were committed primarily to God. And all I wanna tell you, I'm proud of where my daughter is. I would not take $10 million for my daughter to not be where she is with God and where she is in her career and with her life and yet $10 million or she's not where she needs to be. I would gladly take where she is today. It's worth millions. Worth more than millions. How much is your child's soul, your grandchild's soul, your neighbor's soul, your friend's soul, your parent's soul? How much is that worth? And I, I just want to tell you, when you think of Bill Havens' story, that sacrifice was so awesome, and I just think that's how it's going to be in heaven. And I put, I think at the bottom of your outline, what commitment do you need to make to the one who's so committed to you? Here's the cool thing about commitment to God, guys. You commit to him, he's loving you, he's all-powerful, there will be struggles, but when you make him first and you're committed to him, he's so committed to you, there's no way you're gonna lose. It's guaranteed. You're just so committed to him, he's gonna be there for you, and it, you might not get it now, but you're gonna be rewarded. I know people that have tithed and given sacrificially through the years, maybe on a teacher's salary, and man, at the end of their life, they've been so faithful, and the, the reward is phenomenal, financially and spiritually. It's amazing. To know that my child and my wife have a heart for God, remember I talked about believing or belonging, how many inches is it that we could miss Christianity? 16, from the head to the heart. Knowing that my daughter has a heart for God, a head for God, but not just a head for God, we need the heart too. You've got to feel it, know it in your heart. How much is that worth? It's worth every little commitment I gave. And by the way, there were millions others of rewards too all along the way. I don't, I only have eight pages and if I started on all the others, we'd have to, be, well, I'll do that next month, okay? Go there. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Father God, first of all, I wanna pray for every person who has their head bowed right now in this sanctuary and at home and around the country. Father, I ask that there be no condemnation upon them at all. 
Perhaps there is spiritual conviction. There's a love story that you're giving us of something we need to change. But even in the midst of that conviction or whatever it is we hear from you, God, I pray that we feel your love and how much you want us to succeed. God, I stand in the gap with all of these. That Lord, just in a short time, I've come to love. But God, you love them a billion times more than I could. And you know them better than I know them. And you love them. And God, I stand in the gap and pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them and help them make the decisions. Lord, for the families who still have kids at home and grandkids at home, and Lord, that you would give them wisdom beyond anything they have themselves. Yes, Lord, they make a new commitment to you to put you first in everything, but God, they make tough choices. Encourage them. Let them know that they are not parenting alone. You're with them. God, give them strength. Give them encouragement. Let them know nothing they put out before you will ever come back void or in vain. I say, God, please, I beg you to put a hedge of protection on every child in this church, every grandchild, every friend and person we pray for, that we have a burden for. God, I pray you put a protection upon them. And God, that they, our commitment to them and to you will receive rewards beyond anything we can imagine. So God, by faith, I claim victory in all of those lives that we're responsible for. Now God, help us in our life today and as we go out these doors or we go to circles that God, we're encouraged we're, we're challenged, true, but we're encouraged to know that commitment to you leads to intimacy and a special relationship with you. Oh God, I, I beg that. I beg that you would give every person in this church a special, unique, personal relationship with you. A real relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.